This is the Narrative Shift Podcast, where we talk about faith, justice, race, and everything in between. Hey, I'm Terrence Lester. And I'm Johnny Taylor. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Welcome to the third episode of Narrative Shift. If this is your first time joining us, we have been discussing the content of Terrence Lester's new book, I See You. Last week, we covered chapter one where we talked about demystifying poverty. And this week we are on chapter two of his book, which is titled, You Don't Have to Fear. Yeah. Um, and when we think about fear, man, I think fear is one of those terms that we look at and uh, have a very small perspective of it. But uh, as we are talking about homelessness and poverty, fear can be a really huge deal. It can be because... When we attribute the word fear to other things that are inhuman, such as uh, the fear of drowning or the fear of catching on fire or being attacked by a shark, all those things are real fine. Uh, It doesn't really affect anyone, but when we attach the word fear to another human, we have to dehumanize them in a a way. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. For sure, man. When we uh, fear other people, especially people who are disadvantaged, um, that most definitely uh, dehumanizes people. Um, And there is actually a word for it. It's called anthrophobia, um, which is actually people. Yeah, which is actually defined as a profound fear of other human beings. And uh, as we explore anthrophobia, we we even have to talk about. Like, where does it even come from? Where does it stem from? Yeah, well, our fears either either stem from experience, past experience, or the experience of others. Mm. So, for instance, for me to fear something, I would either have to have had something happen to me where that that object of fear caused me to fear, or, uh, for instance, you would have to have told me a uh, given me a reason and experience that you've had with this object that I fear to inform me on those fears or else it would be labeled an irrational fear which is you don't have any reasoning at all wow for fearing that so like when we talk about fear of other people though would you say that most of those fears are in irrational fears because it's most fears of other people come from like secondhand information, not necessarily because they have uh, interacted with the person or I have interacted with someone. I don't know if I'd necessarily label them as irrational because I think there are definitely good reasons to fear people. But when you fear someone, I say it was dehumanizing because you're assuming that that person is going to dehumanize you and not see you as a human. So you're making mm. this assumption and thinking, okay, this person does not value my own humanity. Therefore they might not respect my boundaries, whether they be physical or emotional or uh, so on. And they will try to harm me. Right. But making that assumption about someone without any reasoning can be irrational. It can be irrational, <laughs> yeah. but it's not entirely irrational. Yeah, I I, I kind of agree, um, but I, I guess my take on it would be, say, say for instance, if I come to you and I say, hey, John, um, we're headed somewhere and there are going to be 
a lot of uh, people experiencing homelessness there, and they're they're poor. And I have this preconceived notion that um, people who are impoverished are criminals. They could harm harm us if we're in the environment, etc. And I make all of these statements, but I've never interacted with anybody who is experiencing the plight or impoverished themselves, or I've never even. Uh, had anything done wrong to me from a person uh, that is facing the plight. And I've gotten that information from somebody else, uh, which they probably got it from somebody else. I would deem that ira- irrational. Yeah, that would, be, that would be bordering on the irrational. Uh. <laughs> right. <clears throat> why, do you think, why do you think people, instead of having proximity, though, uh, John, instead of getting to know people as individuals and valuing their humanity at their core, why, why do you think people would rather lean, lean on, you know, just assumptions? Man, I think sometimes we can almost fear the truth. Mm. Um, what do you mean by that? Well, it's so much easier to look at someone experiencing homelessness on the streets and say, okay, I have these reasons I can fear them. They could be violent. They could be high on drugs at the moment and they could try to harm me. It's so much easier to just think that of someone and cross the street and go, go your own way than saying, well, I have these fears, but I'm going to push them to the back of my mind and go find out the reality of the situation. I'm going to go approach them and listen to their story and make margin in my own life and see how I can, if there's anything I can, I can do for them. If there's any way I can help. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can see that man. Um, on page, uh, 37 in the book in chapter two, I start talking about how, uh, people actually, create these fears based upon like extrinsic things like possessions where if you don't possess the things that I possess or even live on the side of town that I live on or even uh, like hang out with the same social groups that I hang out with, then anything outside of that comfort zone is to be feared. Why, Why do you think people fear anything outside of their close proximity. I think oftentimes we can look at ourselves and think, okay, I have this and I'm around these people and therefore I have these values. And if someone does not have the things you have, does not look like you do or not around the same people, you might think these people must value something different. Mm -hmm. We, I mean, we must be so different that they don't even believe the same things about the world that I do. Wow. And at the end of the day, we fear the unknown and we fear what the may believe. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true, man. And I also think that um, people have started to uh, basically define worth and value on these external things. Like um, when I ask the question, most often, uh, how do you, how do we measure worth in American culture and society? It's basically uh, that we measure worth based on all of these external things, like where did you graduate from? Um, who do you associate with? How much money do you have? Uh, what 
you know, geographical location you, you live in, all of these external things. And we deem people who have these things as having worth and value. But if you don't have them, then um, uh, I guess the indirect feelings that we have towards people who don't possess what we have, then they're to be feared because we don't know. Uh, maybe they may harm us. Maybe they may... Um, you know, not respect the things that we have in our lives that they don't have. And, and so, like, American society and culture has, like, literally defined worth and value based upon all these external things. But we know that's not true. No, of course not. I mean, as a Christian, I define value. Well, as a Christian, I'm not the one who's defining value. Mm, God good. gives us value. Right. He has set the definition for it. And he... It says in scripture that every human has worth and value because they're made in his image. Right. Yeah. But how how do you think fear holds us back, though, man? Because when I think about fear um, in terms of holding us back and really engaging with a community of people that could benefit from maybe our wisdom, maybe our networks, maybe just like... Uh, sheer relationship, man. Uh, if fear holds us back, I, I think we miss out on opportunities that God would want to leverage our lives to be used to make a difference and an impact in the, in the world around us and even in people's lives. Yeah, like you said, I think fear can hold us back from not only relationships but also just life experiences in general. Mm. If you fear something, you're probably not going to do it. Right. And I remember a uh, watching a movie when I was young, real young, uh, called Dune. Mm. And it's like a sci-fi film, but it's there's this line in there that says, fear's the mind killer. Mm. And throughout the movie, the protagonist kind of repeats this to himself whenever he's about to do something really dangerous. That kind of gets him into the into the mindset to say, right. I can do this. I just got to push the fear to the back. Right. And... When we apply that to other things in life, think of all the things that fear is killing in us. Yeah, that's you know? good, man. I, I was just reading this quote the other day, too, that says basically that courage is knowing what not to fear. <laughs> um, yeah. Most oftentimes we look at courage and we say courage is about like the pursuit of uh, the grandiose, the pursuit of something that is risky. Uh, but in actuality, sometimes courage is knowing what not to fear. Yeah. And sometimes not fearing uh, people who are impoverished and living on the streets could be the most profound thing because those are the people that God cares about the most. And if we are to be instruments of God, uh, we are to take that love beyond walls, uh, yeah. no pun, <laughs> beyond walls and engage uh, people who probably never experienced that tangible love. Yeah. And I like to define courage as forgetting self. Mm. It's this moment where you've pushed you to the the rear view and you're acting on behalf of somebody else. Right. So when we think of being courageous in the terms of uh, reaching people in pov- experiencing poverty, man, it's really just forgetting forgetting about you for a minute and zoning in on another human being and mm. saying it's about them right. even though they're different I'm gonna take this moment and just make it about somebody besides myself right 
Man, and you said a key word, uh, self. Self. Uh, would you agree that we have too much self um, focus in yeah. 2019, man? Yeah. Here, here's a, a quote out of the book. In 2016, uh, the U.S. was considered the most valuable beauty and personal care market in the world, generating approximately 84 billion U.S. dollars in re- revenue wow. per year. That's how much people focus right. on uh, self. And to have courage, we, I mean, we it's like you said, man, we, we have to like uh, put self in the back seat to pursue um, authentic and genuine, genuine relationships with other people in a sense uh, because courage can lead to life change and lead to impact in the world and I would I would literally say that it's about uh, at the end of the day it's about leaving a legacy that points back to uh, the glory of God man yeah I would agree I mean like you said we are the selfie generation <laughs> you know we're consumed with self on so many levels yeah through social media and uh, our everyday actions you know you you never work around somebody else's calendar you're you're always working off your own yeah and everything is self-centric mm. and so often i think we often fear thinking about anything but ourselves wow Wow, that's deep, man. Say that again. I think we sometimes fear thinking about anything else other than ourselves. What do you mean by that? I think we are concerned that if we, let's say, look away from the mirror for any given amount of time, we'll start to lose ourselves. Hmm. Uh, we'll start to get pushed to the back. We'll start to fall down the the rungs of the ladder of success. But in reality if we start focusing on the outside, the others, man, what greater calling is there but that? Yeah. To focus on others. Yeah. That reminds me too, man, of, I write about it in uh, the book, but it was a story. um, If you don't know or haven't caught up, I would encourage you to get the book. But I think I shared a story about how my family allowed me to live as a homeless person in the heart of the city and I went through all these different experiences and one particular morning I got up it was in the middle of December it was cold and I asked one of my friends how how, how are we going to eat today and um, Tony replied he says man we're going to have to pray for food but uh, there's a McDonald's close by and if we walk there sometimes people give us dollars and we're able to purchase stuff on the dollar menu and so I remember uh, walking with a group. It was a group of us, maybe five of us, and we were walking in the heart of the city of uh, downtown Atlanta. And, um, man, there were business professionals walking towards us. And I'll never forget it. It almost like it was uh, in slow, mis- slow motion. Uh, people saw us and immediately started to cross the street. And it was almost like... Um, they had this moment where they feared us, but their fear was actually hurtful to us. And I remember Mark turning towards me and, and like saying, man, see, people don't want us around 
you know, and I, I don't think uh, people know the depth of how their fear actually hurts uh, people sometimes who are uh, living on the streets. And fear is is oftentimes used as a positive thing, you know, to protect ourselves, to keep ourselves uh, from harm or, or danger. But sometimes when we are directing that fear towards other people that we've never met or we don't have the stories uh, of those individuals and we're focused, like you said, on self in this mirror, then that fear can be hurtful. And it, it can keep us from actually making a real difference in the lives of individuals that maybe just a hey, <laughs> maybe just an acknowledgement, maybe just a just looking somebody in the eyes, uh, maybe just even you know getting to know a person um, outside of the, the the realm of fear could can make a huge difference, man. But I, I'll never forget the emotions, the raw emotions that we felt. Um, uh, when we saw people walk across the street, or even when we arrived in McDonald's, we we were sitting sitting in this booth, and we saw a family like intentionally get up and move to the other side of the restaurant, which was also hurtful, man. What 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 would you say to people who uh, may not know how their fear is actually uh, being used in a in a negative in a negative way? Man, I would say. How would you feel mm. if you if you realized that somebody feared you? Yeah. I mean, there are so few people in this world who enjoy being feared. Right. Uh, and in the normal person, you want to be you want to be loved. Right. You don't want to be feared. Right. People who think rationally want to be loved. Right. And when we show that we fear someone, typically that's going to hurt them in some way. Yeah. Why do you why do you think people sometimes fear the poor though, man? Why the poor? <laughs> of all people. Well, I mean, you're already yeah. vulnerable. You already have right. a lot of lack. You know, we know that um it's because mostly poor people or people experiencing homelessness are painted in a bad light, but what are the internal motives that people may possess? Man, unfortunately, I almost think it's a, th- a thing of pride and ego about ourselves. We think, mm. I have something. This person doesn't have something. Therefore, because I want stuff, this person probably also wants stuff, and they're going to want to try to take my stuff from me. Wow. Yeah, or even that, that same pride of I have things and they don't have things, and maybe I'm worth more. Right. Maybe my have. value system is better than theirs because right. I do have. Right. Which is also a misconception. Yeah. Yeah, because I've been around people before, man, and, you know, people have, like, these weird, you know, just perspectives of people who don't have much, like, you know, they don't have any faith or they don't have character or integrity, which is far from the truth. And, you know, I've even talked to people attend like suburban churches with like lights and smokes and smoke and camera and you know all of the the bells and whistles and sometimes have a very shallow faith in comparison to people who are like living on the streets yeah man I n- I'll never forget um, 
I want to say it was after like a Thanksgiving outreach that Love Beyond Walls did. I, uh, a homeless man approached me and asked if I could ride him down the block um, to his house. Mm. And he grilled me on my faith. Really? The entire time. Yeah. Wow. Like asking me really difficult questions about so he, my relationship with Jesus. Wow. So he's asking you to take him to a place that is shelter, but not necessarily shelter. Right. And uh, the entire time you guys are in the car, he's asking you about faith. Yeah. The entire time. And, you know, did it intimidate you some? (laughs) Man, I was like, you know what? You're right. Like, I'm convicted right now. Wow. Like, the things you're saying to me, like, I need to grow spiritually. And you, this guy was the one who encouraged that in me. Wow. But he didn't have anything. But he didn't have any. He was homeless. Wow. I was just taking him down the street so he could, I guess that's where his tent was. Wow. How did, how did that, what did that change in you, man? Or man, it, it did shift my perspective a little bit because I, I'd been doing uh, ministry with homeless people for a while at that point. But so often I never, I could never view them as like the guide, as my guide. Yeah. Um, mm. In like a mentor kind of role. Wow. Or as a role of someone who had experienced more than I had and had more wisdom than I had. It was always me as the giver, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like I was giving them something. They were the receiver and I was the, uh, I, I, essentially I was the higher role. Mm. They were below me in a sense. But that kind of shifted my perspective. I was like, he has spiritual advice to offer me. Wow. I mean, it just shifted my perspective. Yeah. I mean, that's so good, man, because oftentimes people get involved with outreach with this mentality that I am going to help these quote unquote poor people. And the mentality is that they have nothing to give me back. (laughs) Right. Um, Which is also like a, a, a sense and form of pride. But like, as you, you stated, man, um, And I've learned as well that sometimes, you know, when we respect and value the Mago Day that is in every person, specifically people who are living on the streets, then um, we understand that God has placed something in them that they too have something to offer, that we can get wisdom from them, that we can be encouraged by them, that they have a gift or a talent in a treasure that God has placed in their lives. And how dare we uh, overlook that treasure because we may feel that we are in a better, better place. Right. And man, so above, that's so good. Yeah. Man. Yeah. And above all, like the Holy spirit doesn't discriminate against that's good. social class or ethnicity or nationality. Right. The Holy spirit can work powerfully through anybody and everybody. Yeah. And uh, just even answering this question myself, man, uh, where it says, how has your own perspective changed about the the poor and evolved over the years, man? I I would just say, for me, um, I guess my empathy has increased even more. Um, You know, Solomon says in the in the in the text in Ecclesiastes where he's writing and he's saying. You know, with wisdom, there's more grief. But I also interpret that to say that the more you know and the more you learn, the more responsible that you are 
to serve and to love and um, to give yourself for God in a way that will impact lives, the lives of others, specifically your neighbor. And for me, uh, the more I've grown and, uh, you know, I've gained knowledge, it's humbled me even more, not made me puff myself up even more where I want to, you know, have people serve me or like <laughs> give me all the things. But it, it's made me realize of how much I don't know. Um, and, and it's also, uh, you know, kind of like spurred this responsibility in me to say, hey, um, there are injustices in the world. There are gaps in the world. There are, you know, problems in the world. And, you know, I, I want to empty my life out in a way that I can at least uh, try to impact someone while, while I'm here and inspire other people to possibly do the same. Because that's, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Um, how are you serving uh, the least of these and how are you stewarding what God is giving you on this earth? Why are you here to make a real difference in the, in the lives of people who may not have what you have? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. What about you, man? How, how, are, how are you still growing? Man, I think... I mean, I'm constantly, my perspective is constantly changing and I'm, I'm constantly growing. And even like reading your book, like I went into it thinking, man, like, okay, I'm, I'm going to be really familiar with all this and it's probably not going to change me much. Like I kind of, I, I mean, I was with you when you were experiencing a lot of the things that you've written in the book. I was like, okay, so it's probably not going to be that impactful but like as I keep reading, like things keep impacting me, and I, and I keep realizing, man, there's so many things that I still have to grow in. There's so mm. many areas, so many narratives in my mind that have to shift. Wow! About people experiencing poverty, and really not even just that, but the the other in general, the stranger, the mm. the, the immigrant, yeah, the immigrant, yeah. I mean, and that's a that's a entirely different conversation, man. But like, you know, if we are called to love, I mean, that means literally anybody and everybody who's in front of you, um, which is hard sometimes because, you know, people who may be before you may not be like you. Yeah, and it's easier to fear <laughs> that person than to say, I'm going to open myself up, avail myself uh, to be a conduit in a way that I can like channel God's love to, to somebody uh, that I may fear, um, which, is, which is really, really hard. It's hard to do. And most people would rather lean into the fear than to open themselves up, make themselves vulnerable, and cross the line to actually love uh, the person in front of them. But we all want it. Yeah. We all want this world to be just. We all want this world to be filled uh, with love. We all want peace and happiness and and all of those things. But sometimes we still find ourselves leveraging the fear more than we're leveraging the love. Right. Because we almost think that fear is the thing that will lead us to the peace and the the justice. Mm. But really, fear is the easy choice. 
Yeah, it and is. it can be used for evil. <laughs> it really can be. I mean, think about the Holocaust. Think about how Hitler utilized mm. fear. Or slavery. Yeah. Yeah. People u- utilizing fear to oppress entire yeah. people groups. Yeah, I even think about Native Americans, man. Oh, yeah. And how the land was stolen uh, from them. And literally, um, I think about the children that are being snatched from parents at the border, um, people who are seeking asylum. And I even hear conversations of individuals who just, like, have great disdain for um, the immigrant. (laughs) But... um, in actuality, uh, would use the immigrant service to build a house or do construction work or do some of the things that would serve you, but still has has have fear, man. And the same thing is true for uh, people experiencing homelessness, man. And you know, people have all of these misconceptions about people living on the streets and and not knowing that. Man, if you really was to sit someone down and ask them a question, do you really want to be homeless? Nobody wants to live on the streets. Nobody right. wants to have to go days without showers and, you know, try to figure out where they're going to sleep at night without being waken up, uh, possibly by the police or, you know, some type of violence or crime around them. Nobody wants to do that, man. But yet, and still, we we still fear. Yeah. And it's creating walls, man. Uh Uh-huh. It's creating walls. But, man, you have a scripture here that we've got to read um, because I think is very important. And I I think it's also kind of like a foundation to what we're really trying to spur people to do, which is love. And it's First John 4, um, verses 19 through 21. And it says, do you want to read it, bro? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I can read it. Let's see. This is the NIV translation. It says, we love because he first loved us. Mm. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have not seen or whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Mm. And yet he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Wow. Bro, they say (laughs) this verse literally says that if you say I love God, but hate your brother, you're a liar. Yeah. Would it be safe to say that (laughs) there are a lot of people lying? I think so. But, I but mean, how, how do we? <laughs> this verse also say says that um, we have an opportunity uh, to love the people that we see, which is the greatest testament of loving a God that we cannot see. So, yeah. how do we respond to this 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 nature to be in fear of people who may have less than? is to respond with love. Yeah. I, I would say that this is what this verse is communicating. Yeah. Yeah. And if fear is the acknowledgement and preservation of self hmm. and courage is the denial of self for a moment, then what is love but the pursuit of the other? Wow. 
What do you mean by pursuit of Man, the other? Man, you think of like you fall in love with a girl. Are you thinking about yourself? Uh-oh. No. You're like, <laughs> you're pursuing her. Okay. If you love God, are you pursuing something else? No. In a perfect world, you'd only be pursuing Kim. Right. Um, but what about loving your neighbor? Are you thinking about you? No. You got to be thinking about your neighbor. Right. And it's important, man. And we're not like trying to encourage people to just always deny self, right? Right. We're just saying uh, that we have to simply have balance, that uh, the more we operate in fear, the the greater chance that we are contributing to the, the injustice and the evil that exists in the world. And if we say that we love God, uh, that means that uh, God's love should be flowing through us and that we should be having the courage to love our neighbor. Would you agree? Yeah, I would yeah. agree. And I mean, even Jesus said, whoever does not deny themselves and take up the cross daily cannot be my disciple. Mm. Man, the call to carry a cross is not comfortable or convenient, and neither is the call to love your neighbor. Right. No, it's not easy, man. I mean, it's not easy, and you have to work at it, but like I love what you have here in, in uh, your notes, you're basically challenging people uh, to get to know someone. Um, so when we think about erasing fear and um, getting to know people, what, what's the first step? What, what do you think people should do um, just to kind of like, like put aside their fear? Man, I think the first step would... Uh to walk up to someone and say, hey, my name is so-and-so. What's your name? That's the first so, step. So you're, you're saying that we literally have to normalize what it means just to be relational to people? Yeah, we have to see someone as worthy of them knowing our name and knowing their name. Mm. And, and, and beyond that, then after you know each other's name, then you know, normal conversation can happen. Like, what's your story? Where yeah. are you from? You know, where are you from? How'd you get here? Yeah. What were your hopes and dreams? Yeah. Sim like basic things. I think sometimes we overthink how we're to engage with people who are not like us or maybe living on the streets or experiencing poverty. And, and, you know, I've been as oftentimes like, you know, how, how, how do I, what do I say? And it's like, <laughs> what would you say to a friend? Right. You right. Know? Remember back in like grade school, yeah, like right. what, how did you make friends? <laughs> right. I mean, it's, it's being normal. It's uh, getting to know, know people and not allowing where they are in life to uh, define what you will say and how you will say it. You know, I think that's one of the greatest barriers and uh, just be yourself, you know, just because you're living on the streets doesn't mean that you don't like sports or that you don't have a favorite color or favorite food or you don't have preferences. It's just that you're on hard times. <laughs> right. You just don't have stuff, but you still have humanity. Like you still have. Exactly. You have hopes, dreams, you have history. Like, yeah, man, one of, one of my favorite questions to ask anyone is, Hey, why were you named with your name? Like, do you know right. why you were yeah. named this? Or who were you named after? Yeah. Yeah, man. And that's such a like, they might not always have like an elaborate answer. It might be something stupid like, oh, my parents just, you know. Yeah, yeah. Just shows. Because they may have a name they don't right. like. But it's something <laughs> that like, man, what shows that you care about somebody 
more than wanting to know how they got their name. Yeah, man. I, I remember having a conversation with this guy. Um, we were like two blocks from a abandoned building where he was staying in like you know our, we just got lost in a conversation about sports and favorite teams and favorite players that you know it, it just kind of took us out of the the environment for a minute like after a while like after our conversation we forgot that we were even two blocks uh, from where he was staying behind a building and I think that was the greatest way for me to just like acknowledge his his humanity and his worth and his value just by giving him a, a space to conversate and befriend him in a way that other people hadn't because they they were walking by. Yeah, and I think there are also things that are just I mean, no matter who you are, these are things that are universal to the human experience. Certain yeah. things we go through, like we've all fallen in love at some point. We've all experienced loneliness. We've all mm. have felt lost. We've all had successes. We all have hopes and dreams and right. failures. Man, those are such easy starting points for co- conversing with anybody, no matter what yeah. culture or uh, social class or ethnicity or religious background they're from. Yeah. And I, I would say, too, man, um, as we prepare to wrap up, man, that um, just conversing and building the relational capacity within itself sets us up to assess needs in people um, to see the ways in which we can utilize our gifts and talents to, to serve them in some way or, like, introduce them to our networks or, like, you know, uh, help them in their process because when you become a friend with someone, their problems become your problems. You know, their fears become your fears. Their uh, hopes become your hopes because you're connected in a in a personal way. And I think uh, many times people are you know fighting the fear and wanting some entity or community of faith or a, the government to like solve a problem that maybe got a place, this person right in front of you for you to, you know, sow the seed or water the seed or, you know, do something that could help this person progress. But we, we want to put it off on other people. And I just think conversation is just like the greatest platform for us to figure out how can we best serve serve who's in front of us? What would you say, man? Yeah, I mean, I think we all have this unrepeatable calling on our lives mm. that nobody else can do. And yeah. it's not to say that uh, the kingdom of God won't progress if we don't do what we do, but it's just going to be totally different in a totally different way. Yeah, And that God doesn't call any one of us to the same thing. But, man, if if we don't follow that calling who around us is going to get left out. Right. And if we're not, yeah, man, not only realizing that about ourselves, but about other people, like this guy on the street has a calling on his life that nobody else can follow through with. And maybe my calling is to help him realize their calling. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's really up to us to like encourage people along and, you know, uh, as we've said before, you know, stop seeing people as problems, but, you know, uh, start seeing them as uh, just like human beings that are 
that are going through problems because we've all experienced problems in our lives. Right. And um, in closing, man, like, just what would you encourage listeners to do? How, how would you encourage them to uh, combat their fear and uh, take a step and have courage? What would you man, say? <laughs> Bob Goff says in his in his last book, uh, Everybody Always, uh, he says, find somebody who creeps you out and love them. Mm. Like, man, that's so good. Like, if you're afraid of somebody, yeah, go get closer. Erase that fear. Uh, get to know them. Get to know their story. Yeah. Love them. Yeah. He also says, man, people need love and acceptance uh, far more than they need advice. Um, which is which is really huge, um, and it's just like you said, bro. Find somebody, love them. Um, don't try to fix them or make them become what you want them to become, but meet them where they are. Get to know them, befriend them, and slowly but surely, you'll see God moving in your heart in a way um, that. Uh, spurs you on and encourages you to have the courage that would um, go to bat for them. Would you say? I would think so. Yeah. And, and with all of that, you lay down your fears. Yeah, man. And I think even speaking of fear, like this verse in First John uh, 4, 19 through 21, man, it's so bold and it inspires me to be bold. Like, mm. man, fear is the most commanded against thing in the Bible. Like, yeah. If we're not calling it a sin, then we're we're liars. Mm. Like fear is a sin. Yeah. And when we choose to live in fear and choose to let fear dictate our actions and our beliefs towards others, we're living in sin. Mm. So wow, we we are missing the mark. Yeah. Yeah. So good people, if you have listened uh, to this episode, man, we are calling you to love. Yeah, to denounce fear, mm-hmm. to step outside of your comfort zone, to have courage, as my man Johnny uh, has encouraged you guys uh, to do, and to see people, see people in their humanity, um, affirm their dignity. They are created in the image of God. They have the Imago Dei on the inside of them, and they are worthy of the respect, the love, and the value uh, that each of us, uh, you know, kind of like demand for ourselves. What'd you say? Yeah, and I think, man, like the Bible says, perfect love casts out fear. And if we just forget our, forget about our fears, forget about ourselves for ten seconds, have courage and move towards fear. I mean, towards love, man. Those fears are going to be cast out. Yeah, they're going to get erased. Yeah, yeah. In, in closing, man, I heard a um, a preacher also say that you know, perfect love casts out fear. But it, the reverse of that is perfect fear casts out love. Man. <laughs> That's deep, Man. right? That's deep, right? Wow. So um, you have to choose uh, which side you're standing on. Man, we just want to thank you guys for uh, tuning in to Narrative Shift. Um, Johnny, you want to shout shout anything out? I mean, tell people how to follow you, man, and I'll, I'll, I'll let them know how to follow me. Yeah, I, work. yeah, yeah. Like, like Terrence said, thank you so much for listening. And if this in any way impacted you or changed your perspective, uh, share it. Uh, share it on your social media. Email it to a friend. Um, share it with friends and family. Even that 
creepy guy who uh, <laughs> stares at you yeah, that's during your entire lunch break. Just uh, share it with people. Um, but you can follow Terrence on all social media at... Okay, uh, I'm Terrence Lester. That's I-M-T-E-R-E-N-C-E-L-E-S-T-E-R. Also, you can follow uh, the organization Love Beyond Walls. That's uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And also, we uh, just started a museum called Dignity Museum. And great news about that. We're going to be featured at the Center for Civil and Human Rights starting in October. They're going to house our museum on their campus. And it's going to be really exciting to engage thousands of uh, visitors. What about you, John? You can find me at Johnny Taylor 95, J O H N N Y T A Y L O R 95. And that's on all social media. Yeah. Um, I'd also encourage you to go to lovebeyondwalls.org. Yeah, .org. .org. Because <laughs> it's an organization. Yeah. Uh, to learn more about the organization. Yeah. And we, um, we just appreciate you all. So. Uh-huh. And one more thing, Terrence. Yeah. And this is going to be for the people who stick through the whole podcast and listen to the very end. Okay. What's, what what is you... like some like ir- irrational or weird fear that you have? Weird fear. I'm afraid of heights. Heights? Yeah, bro. And um, yeah, I'm really afraid of heights. Okay. But I didn't used to be when I was, you know, a teenager. Almost a, your age. <laughs> no, <it's just> like, <laughs> I'm, right. I'm joking, but yeah, um, I guess the older I get, the the more afraid I become of uh, heights, bro. What about you, man? I I used to have like a ridiculous fear of roller coasters. Whoa, up really? Until I was like like probably 14 years old. Really? Like I would not get on one, and like my whole family would be on them. I'd be just sitting in line. You would be the guy watching. sitting on the bench. Holding all be. everybody's teddy bears and, and water <laughs> bottles, all of it. And oh man, man! Now I love them, but then like I got made fun of by my entire oh, family. Man. Like you know, like my ten-year-old sister would be riding them. I'd be like a teenager. <laughs> like, what was your breaking there. point? Oh man, um, I feel I feel like I got tricked into riding one. Like, yeah, one of my parents was like, "Hey, just ride. This is not like a roller coaster. It's just like yeah. a smooth like." You know, just normal ride. I think, you know, like there's going to be cool, like Disney characters on it. And it wasn't. It was really fast <laughs> yeah, yeah. and scary, but I loved it. So, wow. That's the breaking point. Yeah. I got breaking tricked. Point. I got lied yeah. to. <laughs> Maybe we need to encourage people to get tricked. <laughs> right. Love, right. Don't, <laughs> don't love somebody, man. Right. Going to trick people into loving people. Yep. But, yep, that's it. That's all we have for you this week. Uh, we look forward to you listening next week. All right. Peace. Peace.